Welcome to Donnacloney Parish Podcast. If you want to know more information about the parish, how to support us, or for other social media, please go to www.donnacloneyparish.co.uk. Thank you. Well, good morning again to all who are watching uh, online. Uh, we're not able to gather again, but hopefully in the coming weeks we'll have news that we'll be able to gather uh, and be together in person again. Well, this morning, as we've been telling you, we've been looking at the sermon series on Christ's heart for sinners and sufferers, uh, looking at passages in Luke's gospel to see the heart of Christ so that we might not only see who Jesus is, but feel who he is, his love, his grace, his mercy for those who simply come and lay their burdens in repentance at his feet. Although we can't meet face to face, we're so thankful for the technology that allows us to have these services online. And I want to thank people who are helping us do that. I want to thank David and George. Uh, I want to thank our wardens and uh, Winston, who's keeping this building, uh, uh, and uh, all the different wardens that are running around trying to do their work and keep us safe. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. But let's pray now that God would speak to us and challenge and encourage us through his word. Let's pray together. We pray, Heavenly Father, that as we come to hear your word, the heart of Christ would connect with our heart this morning. That we might see him, that we might feel him, and have our hearts warmed by him. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. A lot of us have been fixated by the news every night. Every night since probably the 23rd, maybe even before that of March 2019, or 2020, should I say, we've been seeing pictures like this. We've been met with those dreadful numbers of those who have caught COVID-19 and those who have died. And they're not just cold statistics behind each and every number is a person and connected to that person is a family and a wider family circle and a wider family circle who are unable to grieve as they used to be able to before March 2020 and every night I hear and at the moment the numbers are absolutely horrific my heart breaks for them. My heart breaks for them. The numbers of those infected, the fear of what that might bring, the, the, those who have watched a loved one die. It's heartbreaking. But think about this for a moment. What would it be? I'm a sinner. What would it be like for a sinless man to look upon that suffering? Perfect compassion, perfect love, perfect mercy. And what if that same man was alive today and he could see that suffering? That although he is now in heaven, he still looks at sufferers with the same perfect compassion that he has here for a widow. 
But the good news is, there is one. His name is Jesus. And compassion is the emotion that is most frequently attributed to Christ through the four Gospels. When, when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, you see Jesus with all sorts of feelings, with anger, possibly frustration, with joy, with love. But the main one is compassion. And you see that here in verse 13. Have a little look at it. Jesus looks now not at a leper as he did in chapter 5 verse 12, but here he has compassion for a grieving widow who has lost her only son. When the Lord saw her, beautiful words here now, his heart went out to her and he said, don't cry. I said we're calling this sermon series Christ's Heart for Sinners and Sufferers. And although through the series we've been saying that, saying that yes, it's good to know the truth about Jesus, but better still to know the truth about Jesus and to feel the truth about Jesus, how he feels about us. And here in verses 11 to 17, we're going to look at that this morning. Because it would be very easy for me to preach uh, this passage and talk about just the identity of Jesus. You see, that is a big thing that runs through this chapter. Just look at verse 49 of uh, this passage of Luke 7. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Who is this Jesus? Also, you read on just after verse 17, uh, as you read on in verses 18 and 19, John's disciples told him, that is, John, all about these things, calling to them, he said to the Lord to ask, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? You see, John is having an identity crisis about his cousin. Are you the Messiah? So Jesus replied in verses 22 of Luke 7, go back and report to John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised and the good news is preached to the poor. Of course, John the Baptist, I am the one. Who else could do these things? And look, one of the things, raising up the dead? Well, let's let look at that right now. He does it in a little town called Nain, near Nazareth, most likely the village we call not too far away from the, from the main name, Nain, southeast of Nazareth. And then Jesus later on in chapter 8 will raise a little girl. But the identity of Jesus, who is this? Not just Joseph's son, but God's son. So that would be an excellent way to look at this passage. Wouldn't be to take it out of its context or, or to destroy the, what, what is actually here. That's a great way to read that passage of a sign of who Jesus really is. Because it is really important that we get Jesus' identity correct. In fact, you can't be a true Christian until you understand who Jesus truly is. And if you don't know who Jesus is, well, talk to George and I about that. We'd love to open the Bible with you to explain, to, to see who Jesus is. But if we only focused on Jesus' identity, who he is, we would this morning miss his compassionate heart. 
So I want us to look not only at who Jesus is, but to feel who he is, to feel the heart of Christ. I want us to see and to feel the compassion of Jesus. And for us, that word compassion is a gentle word, isn't it? But here it's more than just a nice smile. In the Bible, compassion is the deep feeling in the pit of our stomach. It's like saying you're gutted, that your guts are moved by it. And I pray that we would feel as we look at this grieving widow, how gutted Jesus feels for those who are suffering, for those who are grieving, like many in our church family are right now. And many of you watching and listening today. And in order to feel the depth of Jesus' compassion, we need to feel the depth of the woman's sadness. Look at verse 11. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. A great crowd going into the town. And they meet a great crowd coming out of the town in verse 12. You see, it's a funeral procession in a small town. This is the only place in the Bible where Nain is mentioned. It's a, really a nowhere place. And yet, with Jesus, there are no nowhere places. Now, my guess is that all of us have been to a funeral sometime in our lives. We all know them to be tearful events, but this one particularly so. It's particularly hard. Notice that this one who has died is young. No parents should have to bury their child. And yet this woman has had to do that. Just like some who are watching and listening today have had to do that. It's heartbreaking for a parent to bury a child. It is the most unnatural way of life. It's the wrong way around. Children should bury their parents, not parents burying their children. And as someone has said, the smaller the coffin, the heavier it is. But it's not just the early death of this young man that makes this funeral so sad. We see too that it's her only child. And now she's a widow. See, this woman is a nobody in a nowhere place with no one left. No man to help her. But not to God. See, throughout the Bible, God is a special place for widows. And that's something that Luke picks up upon in his gospel. When you read Luke's gospel, which I hope you have and I hope you will do again, read through the entirety and you will see nine times that widows are mentioned. Now, I don't know how it feels, but I, from listening to people and watching them, I see that being a widow is a hard place to be. And again, some watching will know that all too well. But it was especially hard in Jesus' time. No husband, no son. This is the end of her family line. The end of anyone bringing in any money to the home. And the people of Nain knew this was a hard funeral. For we're told that a, a, a large 
cried from the town was with this woman. They're grieving with her. The whole community sees the depth of her grief and her sadness. And like many do when there's a, 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 a hard funeral, people gather, maybe not knowing the right words to say, but by their presence, they try to support that person grieving. And I guess that the question they're all asking it, 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 when death comes near is the same one that you and I ask. Where is God in all of this? Where is God when someone I love dies? Where is God in the middle of this pandemic as we see death after death? The answer is right in the middle of it. Because that's where Jesus is here. See, when confronted with the pain and the tears, he doesn't turn back. He doesn't shield his eyes. He doesn't just say, I'll pass by and go to the next town. No, he moves towards the widow. He comes close, comes into the middle of the suffering. See, his compassionate heart is like a magnet, a magnet that is drawn to suffering. Rather than being repelled by it. So having seen the depth of her sadness, let's now see the heart and the depths of Christ's compassion. You'll know when we read the Gospels, you'll see people begging Jesus for help. But it's quite surprising the widow doesn't do that. She doesn't ask or move towards Jesus. He comes to her. And why? Because his magnetic heart is moving towards her. And look what he says to her. Look at the beautiful words in verse 13. Just pause on those. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. And he said, don't cry. Last week in Luke chapter 5, we saw Jesus say to Simon Peter, don't be afraid. And now that same Jesus says to that woman, don't cry. And we need to hear Jesus say both of them to us. Because we live in a world of tears and fears. Jesus wants to say to us, don't be afraid. Don't cry. Come to me as I come to you. And these aren't just empty words. You know, there, there, little woman. It'll be all right in time. Time's a great healer. Everything will be all right if you have a cup of tea. No, what Jesus does here is absolutely amazing. You know, in the 20 or so years that I've been ordained, I have never once thought of doing what Jesus does here in verse 14. Do you see what he does? Jesus comes and he touches the coffin. He touches the buyer as it is in other translations. It's kind of a wooden stretcher which this young man would have been on. And the Old Testament laws would have made it 
particularly clear that you did not touch a coffin or anything to do with a dead body because that would make you ritually impure. You read about that in Numbers 9 verse 11, 19 verse 11. You'd be unclean for seven days. You have to go through rituals to cleanse yourself again. Jesus has no problem with touching the unclean. And then remarkably, he tells the young man, get up. And then this young man begins to speak, proving that he's alive again. And then again, in a beautiful picture that makes me well up to tears. Verse 15. The dead man sat up and began to talk. And a beautiful picture here. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. Well, not surprising, verse 16, the people are filled with awe and they praise God. See, people weren't raised back from the dead as much as any more than they're raised back from the dead in our world. And so they recognize the presence of God. Do you see how they praise God? A great prophet has appeared among us, verse 16. They recognize the presence of God. And I think they they knew their Old Testament because, do you remember when the prophet Elijah, as we heard when Victoria read, raised a widow's son in a very similar way? They could connect the two. As Elijah raised the, the widow's son in Zarephath, we see a great prophet here, Jesus has raised this widow's son here in name. Of course, the rest of Luke's gospel shows us that Jesus is more than just a great prophet. He's God's only son. He's God the son. And can you see that word, or the word's only son in verse 12? They're the exact word words used of Jesus. God's only son. Stop. Think about that for a moment. God the Father knows the pain and grief of losing his only son. See, the God we worship is not above our suffering, somehow seated in the heavens above our pain. No, he came and lived in the midst of our pain. He knows what firsthand it is to grieve. As his son, his only son, dies on a cross for our sin. But of course, Jesus is not God, not just God's only son, he's God's risen son. Three days after he died, God said something along the same lines as Jesus says to this young man, young man, I said to you, get up. Jesus did get up. He rose again. And he showed, a, showed everyone around him for 40 days that he was alive physically. And what Jesus did for that young man 2,000 years ago in Nain, he will do one day for all who put their trust in him, for all who come to him. He will say to us, Arise, and we will. You know, when I'm with people and they've lost a loved one or they're losing a loved one, the question that sometimes comes out of a heart of pain is this. Why doesn't God do something? 
And then someone might quote Lazarus or little girl, as we see in Luke 8, and they might even know this story of the widow's son raised. And they might say, well, why didn't he do something that he did here in the scriptures? The answer to that painful question is God has done something and he will do something. He has done something. He has raised his only son from the dead and he will do something. He will raise all who are united to his son from the dead. And parents, it's a hard question when you've got young primary school children and they're asking you about what happened to granny or granda or a loved one or a family member. And if you want to help your children speak about these issues, it's a great book called Goodbye to Goodbyes by Lauren Chandler. It should be on a PowerPoint as I speak. A great book for young children. It helps them to think through what happens when we're saying goodbye to our loved ones. But we might think, well, all of that being raised from the dead in the future, what about now? What about the pain that I'm going through now? Here's the good news I want to finish with. Jesus, as we've seen from Hebrews 13, verse 8, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Jesus we meet here in Luke chapter 7, the Jesus whose compassionate heart is magnetically drawn to sufferers and who cares for the needy nobodies and nowhere places is alive today. I reckon that people have this idea that because Jesus was alive on this earth 2,000 years ago, he couldn't know what we're going through right now. Sure, the world has moved on 2,000 years. Or we think that because Jesus is now at the right hand of the Father, whether that might be, he is too far away to see my pain. I want to challenge that sort of thinking. That's completely wrong. Because when Jesus went back to heaven, he didn't stop having a compassionate heart. He didn't stop feeling love. He didn't stop feeling gutted when he sees suffering. You see, the Jesus of Luke 7 is the same Jesus who's alive today. And he longs to meet with you today, to draw near to whatever suffering you're going through today. And maybe you're like the woman here, you're a widow either because your spouse has died recently or a long time ago. It might even be because your spouse has deserted you or even abused you. Maybe you're childless and you're feeling the pain of that. Maybe you've lost your job or you're exhausted caring for elderly parents or exhausted homeschooling the children. We have lost a loved one. I don't know. I, I do know some of your suffering, but not everybody who's watching this. I don't know exactly what suffering you're going through right now or what suffering you'll experience in the future. But I know that Christ wants to come. I know that he wants to come and comfort you. Listen to the hymn that we'll sing straight after this sermon. It's called, I Cannot Tell Why He Whom Angels Worship. You'll recognize the tune straight away. Will you listen to the second verse?
I cannot tell how silently he suffered. As with his peace he graced this place of tears, or how his heart upon the cross was broken, the crown of pain to three and thirty years. But this I know, he heals the broken-hearted and stays our sin and calms our lurking fear and lifts the burden from the heavy laden. For yet the Saviour, the Saviour of the world, is here. The compassionate Christ, whose heart has not changed, heals the broken-hearted. He is here. What about your heart? What about your heart? There's no doubt about Christ's heart. We've seen over the last few weeks that Christ's heart is drawn to suffering, not repelled by it. He runs towards it, not away from it. What about the magnet of your heart? Will it be drawn to Jesus? Or will you push Jesus away? See, when we suffer, I think one of two things happens. We're either drawn closer to Jesus or we pull away from him. As a minister, I see that often. When people are suffering, they pull away from church. And in one way, I can understand that. You might be worried about what others think or something else. But it's such the wrong response to do. Because when we're suffering, we need to draw close to Christ and to his people. There is no doubting the magnetic compassion and love of Jesus. It is drawn to your suffering. But what about your heart? What about mine? Is it drawn to Christ? Which way will we go this week? As we see Christ's heart for sinners and sufferers, I pray that we will come, we will come again to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you For your only son, the Lord Jesus Christ, your risen son. We thank you for his heart. We thank you for his heart is the same yesterday as we see it here in Luke chapter 7. It's the same yesterday as it was here back with this widow of Nain. It's the same today and it will be forever. And even as we feel Christ's heart, may our hearts respond rightly to him. May they be drawn to him, delight in him, know the comfort and peace that only he can bring. As he says to us this morning, do not weep. And we anticipate the day when there'll be no more tears because they'll be wiped away forever by him. We praise and thank you, Lord, that he heals the brokenhearted. We pray that he would heal our broken hearts today. Lord, may we come to him. May we bow before him. May we see the beauty of his holiness, the beauty of compassion and love. May our hearts be warmed. May they be stirred up in love. 
We ask this in his name and for his glory. Thank you for being with us today. We pray that this service has been an encouragement to you, a challenge and a help to build you up in your faith in Christ. We've now ended our church service and we'd be delighted if you can join with us again. Thank you for being with us in Donna Cluny Parish. God bless you.